0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeyes Mike LLC. Fourth
1: down and goal. It's Rastetter. The punter throwing it. It's caught.
2: Sam Brinks able to come up with the grab. How about Iowa today getting wild and crazy? Wow. Sam Brinks is a senior defensive tackle for the iowa Hawks. Why would he be? he walked on to the football team one of the favorites on the team and in the defensive line room and made an unbelievable
0: over-the-shoulder catch for the touchdown shades of hayden fry coming out of kirk parents here with the trickeration Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporters Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who reflects on the Hawks 30-24 loss at Penn State and previews this week's Iowa-Purdue game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Purdue's Jeff Brougham. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporter Scott Doctorman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson. From the Quad City Times, former Iowa kicker Ron Calusi, and our own Tyler Chemeland and Jack Brandsgard. The Iowa Penn State game highlights are courtesy of ESPN, with announcers Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Todd McShay. We very much appreciate it and thank them.
2: Two turnovers, the last three snaps by the Nittany Lions, and the complexion of this
3: game has just changed greatly. How many things have you touched today?
2: Hmm? Ooh, a puppy.
3: (laughs) How many places
4: have your hands been?
3: Ooh, a keyboard.
4: 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefens, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything.
1: Yeah, with toilet.
4: Prefins keep your hands germ-free all day.
0: The Iowa Hawkeyes traveled to West Lafayette, Indiana this Saturday to face the Purdue Boilermakers in a critical Big Ten West Division contest. Kickoff at Ross-Ade Stadium is set for 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Both teams are coming off painful road losses in games where the offense has struggled. The Hawkeyes lost at Penn State 30-24. The Boilers lost at Michigan State 23-13. Both teams currently are one and a half games behind at Northwestern in the West division. The Wildcats have already defeated Purdue. Wisconsin has defeated Iowa, so whichever team loses Saturday is out of the running to play in Indy. Iowa comes into this game 6-2 overall and 3-2 and in conference play. The Hawkeyes are ranked 19th in the AP poll and 18th by the coaches. Purdue is 4-4 four four overall and 3-2 and in the Big Ten. While Purdue leads the series 47-38-3, the Hawkeyes have won four of the last five. The Boilermakers won last year at Kinnick 24-15. The Hawkeyes have won the last four games the two teams have played at ross Eid Stadium. And overall, Iowa has won nine of the last 12 and 21 of the last 29 meetings. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is now 149-99 and in 20 years at Iowa. He's the winningest head football coach in Iowa history and is the longest tenured head coach in the nation. Purdue head coach Jeff Brome is in his second year with the Boilermakers, where his record is 11 and 10. His overall record as a head coach over five years is 41 and 20. And his teams have been particularly successful in games played in November. In game notes, Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley has been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this season. In games three through six, he passed for 1,199 yards with a completion rate of 66%, 14 touchdowns versus four INTs but in the first two games of the season he struggled, and in the last two contests he has thrown just two touchdowns against four picks and is completing only 46% of his throws. On the other hand, he does have 16 touchdown passes overall against eight INTs, and by and large he's been really good on third downs where Iowa has amassed 794 yards passing. On third downs, Purdue has just 446 yards on those plays. The Hawkeyes defense can continues to excel in the key statistical categories, and has done so all season. Iowa now ranks second in the Big Ten in scoring defense, rushing defense, passing defense, and total defense. Iowa has eight interceptions over the past four games, including safety Geno Stone's pick six at Penn State last week. Stone now leads the team in INTs with three, all of those coming in the fourth quarter. Iowa has accumulated 25 sacks, which is third in the conference, led by defensive end Anthony Nelson with 6.5 and defensive end A.J. Epinesa with 6. Conversely, the Hawkeyes have surrendered just nine sacks all year, which is the fewest in the Big Ten. Purdue quarterback David Blau is completing 66% of his passes. He's thrown 13 touchdowns, has only four picks. Overall, Purdue ranks 11th in the FBS in passing offense, averaging 330 yards a game. But Blau did throw three interceptions and no TDs last Saturday at Michigan State. Purdue has been extremely effective this season inside the red zone, both offensively and defensively. The Boilers are scoring 92% of the time when they reach the red zone, and they're holding opponents to scoring just 72% of the time on that part of the field. The Boilers are 6th in the Big Ten in scoring defense and 4th best versus the Rush. They have 19 sacks this year by 9 different players. On the other hand, Purdue is last in the Big Ten in pass defense and ranks 120. 27th nationally, surrendering just shy of 300 yards a game through the air. Depth chart notes Iowa remains relatively healthy, but there are key question marks heading into this game. Starting quarterback Nate Stanley injured the thumb on his throwing hand late in the game at Penn State. Both Stanley and Ferentz have said he's okay to go and has been throwing well in practices. Running back Ivory Kelly Martin tweaked his ankle again last Saturday, but he remains listed as the starter at running back. Backup tight end Sean Byer went down Monday with a non contact injury. He'll likely miss at least the next two games, and would-be starting cornerback Matt Hankins, who has been injured and out the last few weeks, is now serving a one-game suspension for off-the-field issues. For Purdue, star everything. Star receiver, star running back, and star returner Rondale Moore, a true freshman, has not practiced this week due to what Brome labels as a lower leg injury. Purdue is hopeful more. More can play in this game, but even if he does, will he be 100%? He's been the key cog in the Boilermakers' offense as its most explosive playmaker. Tidbits and nuggets, the Iowa-Purdue game will be televised by ESPN2 with announcers Jason Bonetti and Kelly Stoffer. It will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be available on satellite radio XM Channel 210 and Sirius Channel 211. Purdue has already defeated two Ranked teams in West Lafayette this season, topping Boston College 30-13 and demolishing Ohio State 49-20, so it's certainly capable of playing well against good teams at home. Iowa has scored 40 points or more in its last three conference road games this year, averaging 38 points in those games. Also of note, the playing surface inside Ross-Ade Stadium is natural grass, but unlike last week's game and the week before that, the weather forecast is for partly sunny skies and a high in the mid-50s with light winds. So the Hawkeyes will get to play its first game in three weeks without dealing with adverse weather. You're not really wearing that, are you? Wearing what? The man purse. It's where I keep all my things. I get a lot of compliments on this. Plus it's not a man purse, it's called a satchel. Indiana Jones wears one. So does Joy Behar. Oh, that snap is over the head of Gillikin again
2: and out of the end zone for another safety. The first time Gillikin. Couldn't handle the snap. Might have been a wet football. The snapper is Kyle Vasey. Wow. And you don't see that too often. Two safeties in the same team in the one half. That's not a wet football. That is a brand new football that comes from the sideline after a
0: timeout. So you can't blame this on the wet ball. This is just Vasey, Aramail, and Gillikin, And back-to-back blunders for Penn State. let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who provides his overall assessment of this year's Purdue team.
1: Basically, it's much like last week. We're playing a really good football team, a team that's very, very dangerous and very explosive, very capable, and then playing on the road in a a tough environment. So a lot of similarities there. Purdue plays good defense, uh, and I think that was probably the biggest story about their success uh, uh, last year. New staff comes in, and uh, I think the defensive success they had really been, been struggling defensively for years and uh, they did a great job last year defensively and then uh, beyond that I think you know certainly with Coach Brom's reputation you know it's uh, backed up by the way they play on offense they're very innovative very explosive uh, and very very productive so they've got a good offensive football team with a lot of big big play capable uh, type players and uh, so it's going to be a tough uh, tough team for us to defense and a lot of those guys are on their special teams as well so you know we're going to have to be at our best in all three phases to, to have a chance and bottom line is we're going have to be focused discipline, play good team football, and then obviously be able to handle the challenge of being on the road and playing in front of a lively crowd.
0: Ferentz elaborated on how he approaches the situation when a good player and team captain, like quarterback Nate Stanley, struggles in a big game.
1: You know, all good players have tough days, and uh talked to him about that on, on Sunday. I mean, I haven't been around a good quarterback or a good good player at any position that doesn't have a rough outing. It's just the nature of sports, and especially when you're playing against a good uh, team, and Penn State's very athletic, very aggressive. I don't want to say it's as well as they played this this past Saturday on defense, but it would probably be ranked up there, I would think. You know, they had a great effort, made it tough on us, and, you know, it wasn't like we played a perfect game as a a unit offensively, so a lot of that goes into it. You know, quarterbacks obviously garner a lot of attention, and, uh, you know, it's just part of the deal. But probably the best answer I can give you, somebody pointed out, Chuck Knoll made a reference one time about uh, Bradshaw had had a tough day, and he mentioned that, you know, Nolan Ryan, who 70s, 80s, was a pretty good pitcher, said he's out there on the mound. You know, the distance to the plate never changed. the ball is perfectly round Uh, and you know if you get a scuff on a baseball they put a new one in there somebody sneezes on when they give you a new one and you got all the time you want in between pitches nobody's going to hit you in the face when you when you deliver the ball so you know he threw no hitters he also got knocked out in the first inning and uh, to think of uh, a quarterback's going to go out with a ball that's not real symmetrical and in conditions that are very very tough and challenging I think you know quarterbacks aren't going to have struggles at some some point that's probably not realistic so that's how I look at it and uh, we don't have a better guy on our football team works harder, more invested, so you know, he'll, he'll bounce back.
0: Iowa special teams play has substantially improved overall this season, including the kickers and the return games. Ferrance was asked what special teams coordinator, LeVar Woods, has contributed to that success.
1: Lavar's doing a great job, first and foremost, and I think just the ability for us to, with the extra coach, have, have someone totally focused on that and uh, devoted to that, I think that's a real benefit, and I, I applaud the NCAA. I, I credit size Them at times, so I applaud them for that that move. I think it really helps, you know. And it, it's kind of a, been a position in years past where you know that position gets position gets neglected a little bit. So I think just having a full time coach for all of our specialists has really been big. Throw Colton in there the same way. Col- Colton was very inconsistent a year ago. That was a real challenge for him. And uh, I don't know that he's all Big Ten right now, but he's been very steady, very consistent. And I feel pretty confident. I have a good idea what what to expect from him this Saturday. And that's a uh, I think a feeling every coach appreciates. So I just think you know them being coached and getting the full-time attention you know that that position might in, in some ways require more attention than others because just talked about the quarterback and how uh, fragile in existence that is I think being a specialist is kind of the same way it's a little bit like being a relief pitcher you're not in there a lot but when you're in there everybody's watching and if it doesn't go well you know boy what, what's going on with that so I think you know it's all been very very positive but you know both Colton and Miguel really the credit goes to to those guys I mean the way they've worked through some adversity some ups and downs uh, and persevered and, uh, you know, Miguel had really some uh, very nice kicks again last Saturday. It's been, you know, pretty much trademarking him the last year. And more on
0: special teams, trickeration has become more prevalent and important for the Hawkeyes this year. Kirk talks about that and how he has become more receptive to it.
1: That's a danger zone, but that, that's like a lot of plays, you know. But yeah, when they, when they work, they're great. And uh, if they're timed up properly, uh, you know, the, the Ohio State game, we just felt like we needed that to, to really jump ahead. But yeah, I, I'm definitely more more Open to them now, the last four or five years, than I was say 15 years ago for sure. You know, they, they have advantages, but the, the key is still execution, like anything offense or defense, same same deal. You know, the conversation staff conversation we, we do a lot of that more so in the out of season, but uh, just our approach, how we want to do things in general, just in, in principle and philosophy. And you know, it's, it's got to be calculated, and it, you know, you just can't do it in an emotional time, which you know, some of those come come at, come that way. But I'll try to have a, a good plan, good place for them. <music>
2: Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up to date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter.
0: Next, we hear from Purdue head coach Jeff Fromm, who discusses the challenges Iowa's highly ranked defense poses for his Boilermakers.
3: Well, they're similar to Michigan State. It's a Big Ten defense. They're very physical up front, come off the ball, they knock you back, they get to the pass rusher. Uh, they have a ton of sacks this year, and it's not by blitzing. They they create pressure with four guys, and uh, they create push, and that's what we had a hard time with last week, and we're gonna have to work hard to prove upon that this week. Their linebackers play downhill, they can stop the run. Their, their secondary does a great Job of trying to keep the ball in front of them, uh, have their eyes on the quarterback. They read the quarterback well. Uh, and They try not to give up big plays, but without question, starts up front. Their front fours are strength, and they've created numerous sacks with just those guys rushing. And we will have our hands full of blocking them.
0: Purdue's starting quarterback, David Blau, had probably his worst game of the season last Saturday in the loss at Michigan State. Brougham talks about how Blau needs to approach the Iowa game.
3: Well, I think he understands we've got to get back to just uh, work harder on the small things. Uh, in practice, we've got to put pressure on him, put, put guys in his face, make him feel uncomfortable, create the speed of the game as much as we can, which we work hard at doing. Uh, I think he just got a little bit too overconfident of being able to make throws, not understanding that, no, you, you know, your strength is if it's... It's not there, and you've got to scramble. And it's not open. You got to get pl- yards with your feet. Uh, I think throughout the course of the game, for any quarterback, whether you're an athlete or not, you're going to have to run it three or five times a game. Whether it's up to get two plus yards from the line of scrimmage or find a way to get eight. But uh, you know, he's got to be willing to uh, tuck the ball and run when it's not there and, and get us uh, first downs or at least get us positive yards. I think the the first interception was you know was not good, and really the last one was really disappointing as well. You know, the other one I thought was a fumble that was real interception, but you know, I think the uh, push that they created by their defensive front uh, and the fact that they were pressed quite a bit on the outside and you have to hold a little bit longer all factored in to make him feel uncomfortable and I think the, that penetration affected his play uh, negatively and we've got to work hard to make sure that you know he maintains maintains that toughness and stands in the pocket and does what he's supposed to and if it gets too tight in there he's got to make plays with his feet and uh, we just can't turn the ball over especially when you only have the ball for a little over 20 minutes of the game uh, you've got to take advantage of all your opportunities and we did that.
0: Brome was asked about Iowa QB Nate Stanley, who, like Blau, had probably his worst game of the year last week.
3: Well, I think he's taken uh, some positive steps this year. He's played well, uh, and I think, once again, we did a good job against him last year. Now, that was a different defense that we had, but we're going to have to make him feel uncomfortable. We're going to have to get some pressure on him. We're going to have to get some push when maybe we don't rush five or more. We're going to have to tighten things up in the secondary, not let him plant his foot and throw an easy completion. Uh, Now, every once in a while, if it happens, I get it, but, uh, you know, it can't happen very much and we've got to tighten things down and make him hold along with anyone's uh, and make him feel uncomfortable. and that's with any quarterback but definitely you know this team will control the ball run it and they'll play action and uh, when they throw it you're gonna to have to find ways to not uh, allow them to get a bunch of easy completions. And Jeff Brougham discusses his defense's inconsistent
0: pass rush and the importance of improving that against Iowa's offense. We,
3: we kind of know we're going to have to create that pass rush uh, with more pressure and that's just where we're at right now so which isolates your defensive backs even more so I you know I, I get it uh, we just got to play more confident challenge things make them beat us over the head but yeah we've got to create pressure and, and sometimes that's not just with four guys and that's just where we're at right now and, and uh, you know it, it's worth work to a certain degree and we've done some good things with it. We've got to figure out ways to be creative and and, and, uh, make the quarterback feel uncomfortable, uh, make him hold it longer than he wants or any quarterback is going to perform well. You know, this quarterback that uh, Michigan State had who hadn't played, he looked like uh, Joe Montana out there and uh, I don't like to see that.
2: Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You you can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663.
1: slot, Fan wasn't ready, Fan didn't see him snap the ball and it's picked off, Nick Scott with the interception, Noah
2: Fan was not ready, he was still on the line of scrimmage long after Iowa had snapped the football and Stanley tried to go to him. You gotta manage that situation better and not be risky with the football. And Brian, I'm standing 20 yards from where he was and I'm watching Stanley's eyes and he realizes he started yelling, kill, 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 looked up to the clock and
3: saw only but about two seconds left and then that just rushed everything.
0: Time now for our Reporters Notebook feature this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve reflects on Iowa's loss at Penn State and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's game Hawkeyes and Boilermakers. Plus, we talk some Big Ten. Steve, we're in the home stretch of the 2018 regular season, an Iowa team that still has a lot to play for, including a some sized window at least for the Big 10 West championship a must win though this week at Purdue but before we start our deep dive into that game let's reflect just for a couple of moments on Iowa's loss last weekend in Happy Valley to Penn State a weird game in a, a lot of respects but not the least of which was the fact that the Hawkeyes scored 24 points and not a single one of those came from the offense
4: bizarre yeah it, it was a strange game in a lot of ways and you know certainly you know, the defenses on both teams had a lot to do with the way that game played out, but uh, it was a it was a miserable day for the Iowa offense. Uh, although they did outgain the Nittany Lions, but uh, uh, when it came to producing points, that that was something that just didn't happen. And you know certainly Nate Stanley was uh, as inconsistent as, as we have seen him in, in quite some time, and and uh, you know a very costly pick near the end of the, of the fourth quarter prevented Iowa from really having a chance to to walk away with what would have been a uh, kind of a signature win in this season.
0: In spite of how bad the offense was, and that's probably the worst game I remember Nate Stanley playing, you just referenced the pick inside the five-yard line late in the game, they, even in spite of that, they still had one more chance to win that game.
4: Yeah, uh, you know, it was a game where Iowa was really positioned to, to do something special in the fourth quarter, but they just couldn't quite get over that hump, and that, that was a day-long issue for, for the offense, and, uh, you know, you, you have to credit Penn State a little bit for that, but uh, uh, you know, certainly the Iowa offensive line wasn't as crisp as it, as it has been. Stanley did not perform at the level that uh, that we have seen him perform at in recent weeks, and uh, you know, the rushing game was uh, a little subpar as well. I mean, the yards, um, you know, McKay Sargent uh, certainly had a nice game with 91 yards, but uh, the consistency and, and, and the ability to kind of get that big play when it was needed, it, it just wasn't there.
0: Turning to Iowa at Purdue, now, Big Ten West still up for grabs, and while Iowa and Purdue playing, Northwestern's actually hosting Notre Dame, sort of a real anomaly in the schedule in the Big Ten, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Iowa's offense, as we've been discussing, coming off its probably worst performance of the season at Penn State, Nate Stanley's stats took a hit, he looked, um, he just looked uncomfortable and indecisive and out of sorts, his completion percentage has dropped to 56% now, he had those picks again last week week. Um, and yet he's still, you know, averaging over 220 yards a game. He's thrown 16 touchdowns.
4: He's done some good things this season. And yeah, you know, we'll find out probably a little more on uh, on Saturday against Purdue if, you know, if, if it was an anomaly or, or uh, you know, if this is just kind of, uh, you know, we've had the, the good Nate and the evil Nate and, and we'll see where this thing leads here over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, certainly I think that Nate has, uh, has been, um, you know, certainly a more fluid quarterback to what we saw last week I, th- I thought he was very statuesque at times he, he just looked uh, he looked uncomfortable and and it uh, was apparent from the first quarter and things never really got into much of a flow until late in the game when Iowa did move the ball but uh, you know a very poorly timed interception on a, on a on a play where the Hawkeyes probably should have taken one of the three available timeouts just to kind of get everything in line it, it came back to bite the Hawks and uh, a pretty costly lesson but uh, yeah you you move forward to to a Purdue team, which is is uh, you know has made some good strides defensively uh, as of late, uh, and uh, you know it's a, a chance for Iowa maybe to, to pick up some some more yards through the air. Purdue has been susceptible to the pass at times. They uh, you know they seem to uh, you know they seem to have ways uh, as they indicated uh, you know as they illustrated against Ohio State a couple of weeks ago. They certainly are capable of rising up and performing well. But uh, it's a, it's a young Purdue defense, and you know certainly I think in a, a relatively young Iowa offense should be able to uh, to kind of uh, move the ball a little more effectively than what we've seen.
0: Iowa's trio of running backs continues to play relatively well, and the interesting thing is it seems like one of them shines in each particular game, uh, not, and it's not the same one. Last week, Mackay Sargent had another nice game, and uh, you know combined they're pretty effective.
4: It's been an interesting mix, yeah. The last three games. It's been a different guy leading the way each time, and each of them has, has finished somewhere between 90 and, and 99 yards. That 100-yard mark remains elusive for the Hawkeyes. But, uh, you know, some of I think, has to do with the defense they're facing and, and maybe the strengths of, of, a, of a given defense they face on a, on a particular week. But, you know, Torn Young has looked very good at times. Ivory Kelly Martin kind of retweaked uh, that ankle last week. We didn't see a lot of him in the second week, but we've been told to expect him out there this weekend it Produce. So all of them have done good things, and all of them have, uh, you know, had uh, they've contributed to to kind of a balanced rushing attack that Iowa's had, and you know, it, the Hawks are averaging over 160 yards a game on the ground right now, and that's a respectable number. But uh, you know, some programs get it all from one guy. Iowa is getting it from three, and that's going to continue moving forward. You know, it, it, the balancing act, you know, extends to the passing game as well, just in terms of of the number of balls that guys are catching. It, it it's a, it's a it's a an offensive offensive look that uh, the teams really have to spend a lot of time preparing for because Iowa has a number of different guys who are contributing and they all do so in a little bit different way.
0: Iowa's receiving core again the strength seems to be the tight ends but as we've talked the last two weeks the wide receivers really seem to be emerging now maybe especially Brandon Smith and Purdue comes in in spite they lost a lot of seniors off of that team uh, the defensive squad from last year to this year they're beginning to gel they're Pretty effective on rush defense, but they're last in the Big Ten in pass defense. They give up almost 300 yards a game passing. They've given up nine touchdowns. So, to your point, uh, it looks like Iowa, while it wants to be balanced, should be able to have some success through the air and bounce back from the Penn State debacle.
4: Yeah, when Iowa talks balance, they're talking balance over the course of the big picture. And, you know, things will, the pendulum will swing a little bit between the run and the pass, depending upon who they're facing. This does appear to be a Purdue defense that uh, Iowa should should be able to move the ball against. Uh, you know, they have a terrific linebacker in in, uh, in Marcus Bailey. He's a junior who uh, was named a Buccas semifinalist earlier this week, ranks among the Big Ten tackle leaders, and uh, is really kind of at the heart of, of a group that uh, had a lot of questions entering this season. I think Purdue returned only three or four starters from a year ago on the defensive side of the ball. And it, it, You know, the first three games, Purdue was awfully close, but it took some time for that group to gel, and uh, they've shown improvements much, you know, like Iowa has shown improvement offensively over the course of the year. It's a group that's been a work in progress and and certainly, you know, they put it all together a couple weeks back against Ohio State. Uh, Struggled a little bit against a physical look, uh, um, you know, a physical approach on both sides from Michigan State last week. Certainly that's going to be the name of Iowa's game, too.
0: You mentioned Marcus Bailey, his teammate at linebacker. He's got two more that are really pretty good, Derek Barnes and Cornell Jones. Two of the top four tacklers for Purdue, though, are their Safeties, Thineman and um, Mosley. And I don't know what that says about your team exactly, but um, if you're making a lot of tackles in the backfield, it means the other team must be doing something reasonably well on offense.
4: Absolutely. Uh, You know, I think that tells you that they're giving up a few yards. Purdue's starting only two seniors right now on on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, it's a group that's been a little inconsistent at times. And uh, they they have done a good job in the red zone. They're second in the Big Ten in terms of, of, uh, you know, preventing teams from scoring when they do get the ball inside the 20. So, you know, they're able to kind of buck up and, and do some good things when they need to. So um, Iowa, which has had its own offensive issues in the red zone, you know, it could be challenged in that area again this week.
0: At uh, his press conference on Monday, uh, Purdue head coach Jeff Brome talked a lot about, was asked a lot of questions, so he had to talk about it, about how they played defense against Michigan State in the sense that they gave the Spartans a, apparently a terrific Amount of cushion off the line of scrimmage on the receivers, and uh, he expressed a lot of concern about that. And Michigan State took advantage of it, and he talked about it, the absolute critical importance this week of pressuring Nate Stanley and not having that much cushion in the defensive secondary.
4: Yeah, it's it's one thing that, that Purdue has not been overly effective at over the course of the season. They only have 19 sacks as a team, and uh, it's uh, you know it's a defense that has uh, been a little while. Probably at times, and and but they they do have some some capable players. I mean, Cornell Jones is is, is a solid player. Uh, we've got Derek Barnes as well, and and uh, certainly Bailey and and, and on the back end are are, are, are players that can disrupt and, and create some issues. And you know, Antonio Blackman has is, is broken up six passes and as has Simeon Smiley. So you know, it, it's a pretty defense that has some pieces. Um, they haven't always been. Cohesive pieces, uh, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's a matchup that I think that uh, can favor Iowa if the Hawkeyes can bounce back from from their performance last week. Well,
0: let's talk about that. Who has the edge there in this matchup, Iowa's offense versus Purdue's defense? And I suppose to a large degree, it, it depends on which version of Iowa's offense shows up.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if Nate Stanley, uh, who claims that uh, his thumb is just fine, and, and Kirk Ferentz claims the same. Uh, if if he shows up and shows no signs of, of any issues with that. Uh, uh, what we've now learned was a sprained thumb. You know, I, I think that Iowa has a, has a chance to uh, to move the ball and put some points on the board against this Purdue defense.
0: All right, let's turn the page, talk about the matchup between Iowa's defense and Purdue's offense. Iowa's defense, again, in, in spite of the loss at Penn State, it continues to be ranked very highly, both in the Big Ten and nationally. Very effective against the run. Second in the Big Ten in terms Of yards per game, total offense given up to the opposing team, and then that goes right head to head against Purdue, which is also second in the Big Ten in total offense and yards per game of over 500 yards.
4: Yeah, you know, all of a sudden it's another one of these uh, high-powered offenses that uh, that I was facing. The interesting thing I I think about Purdue's look is 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 that it's pretty multifaceted. They've got a lot of players who can who can really do some things. You know, you've got a a terrific freshman in Rondell Moore who who uh, you know is thriving as a, a first-year guy but but he's not all they have and and uh, when when you take a look at, at the running backs Dj Knox and, and markel Jones they've been around it seems like for 15 years uh they're 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 veteran guys they're running behind an offensive line that is you know pretty much a veteran group as well it has three senior starters you know david blau is a quarterback who's been around forever as well it's a it's a combination of things offensively that that uh, uh, have allowed the Boilers to move the ball pretty effectively, and, and the way that they've used more in, in moving him around within the structure of that offense, it's created some issues for defenses, and, and uh, you know, one of the reasons that they were able to, uh, you know, to, to burn the Buckeyes a couple of weeks ago was their ability to kind of make some big plays and make some things happen, and, and uh, you know, th- that game plan, I'm sure, hasn't changed much at all.
0: Now, to your point about Rondell Moore, he's not only the leading pass receiver for the Boilers, he averages over a Uh, 104 yards a game. He's got seven receptions for touchdowns. He's also their third leading rusher at 23.3 yards per game. And he's also, we'll talk more about it in a couple of minutes, uh, their punt returner and kick returner. So he's like Mr. Spectacular.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a kid who had 302 yards of offense in his first half of uh, of football for Purdue back in in, in late August uh, in a game against Northwestern. Uh, He burst onto the scene and... Nobody's really figured out a way to slow him down too much since. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's been contributing in a number of different ways and he's got that combination of, 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 Speed and, and strength that that make him a, a tough tackle for guys. And a couple of Iowa players talked this week about how you know they'll watch tape of him in the way that he he's able to kind of break free from when, from when it appears that a guy's got him wrapped up, and and uh, they know they've got a pretty good challenge on their hands. And it, it starts with uh, uh, you know remaining assignment true and, and and you know doing all the technical things right because if you don't, he certainly has the ability to uh, you know to, to make you pay for it.
0: Many of his yards come on catches he makes big gains out in open space after a catch so just to your point they really need to watch that their starting quarterback David Blau does a great job of spreading the wealth in terms of pass receptions five receivers including one tight end that uh, are are really good and their average uh, yards per catch per game are are great but Blau himself has been terrific this year up until last week where he just like Nate Stanley struggled at Penn State Michigan State really put the clamps on Blau.
4: Yeah, coming off their loss the previous week, Michigan State showed up ready to to get after it defensively, and they really pressured him. And and uh, you know man, Purdue didn't look real comfortable against uh, uh, the physicalness of, of Michigan State, and uh, that's one of the things that the Iowa players talked about this week as well. Is that you know they, they want to get physical with Purdue and they want to make them uncomfortable because they feel like that's something that certainly can can get Blau a little jittery behind uh, center and and uh, create some uh, some opportunities for them to uh, to force him to make a few mistakes. And you know he, he's been picked five times this year, and he's completed sixty-five percent of his passes. But uh, you know he—he's a quarterback that uh, you know has shown a propensity at times to make a mistake or two. And and I think that uh, um, certainly that would be uh, you know something that the Hawkeyes will be on guard for this week.
0: And for Iowa, its defense looks uh, relatively healthy right now. One finally got Jack Hockaday back, and in spite of his missing a few games, he's still the fourth leading tackler on the team. But the line. Backing core continues to look like a strength. I would guess that we would see more of a Hooker playing outside linebacker, given the the schematics of Purdue's offense this weekend.
4: I, I certainly would think so. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of that the last five, four, you know, four or five weeks, and and uh, it, it's a look that is working pretty well for Iowa, and I think they're really getting comfortable with with that look. The coaching staff I think likes it. I, uh, Hooker is getting more comfortable. He says he enjoys it. Provides uh, him with some some opportunities to maybe to do. Some things we wouldn't necessarily be doing uh, back in that strong safety position. So you know, it's something that uh, they'll they'll be tested. There's no question about it. And, and to your point about Purdue's receivers, you know, in Bryson Hopkins, they've got a, a, a tight end that uh, you know he, he burnt Iowa for a couple of touchdown catches a couple of years ago. And you know, he's a he's a, a bigger kid. He's the son of Brad Hopkins, a former Illinois uh, offensive lineman uh, from Moline, and and uh, he he. Played plays a lot like his father did. He's got some pretty good foot speed, and and uh, he must have his, uh, you know, he's in some good hands. And Brad had good hands too. He and A.C. Earl were a front line in basketball together in high school. So pretty formidable. A couple of first round picks, one in the NFL and one in the NBA. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, certainly I think that uh, you know he's a part of, of, of what they're trying to do and, and how they mix things up on offense. And you know they do a really good job of using more as a decoy at times and and yeah, uh, I will have to be wary of that.
0: And the emergence of Geno Stone, uh, at safety has allowed that move of uh Hooker up to linebacker when they need to do that. And of course Iowa still remains one of the top sack teams in the Big 10. They now have 25 on the season led by Anthony Nelson and in second place AJ Epinesa, and they seem to trade places almost every week.
4: And it's a pretty productive end position. Yeah, when you when you can count 12 and a half sacks out of one spot in your lineup, it's uh, it's uh, Guys performing at a pretty high level. And that rotation up front just continues to work for Iowa. And I mean, it gave Penn State some issues last week as well. And uh, you know, this hockey defense has been pretty solid. Now they're going to be a little thin at corner again this week with uh, with the suspension of Matt Hankins, who's who's been out for for a few weeks anyway with an injury. But uh, uh, it's forced some uh, some younger guys to maybe get a few additional reps in practice, which uh, which is probably a good thing as well. But I think we're probably going to see a little more of of uh, Michael uh, O. J flopping back and forth between the different sides as, as needed.
0: What's your sense of who has the edge in this matchup, then, Iowa's defense against Purdue's offense?
4: I think Purdue's going to be able to move the ball on Iowa. I think that's been kind of a constant. I, I think they will, uh, you know, they're in bounce-back mode as well after last week, and and I, I think that they've shown, especially at home, that they've been able to uh, to find a comfort zone in moving the football, and I, I think that, uh, you know, Iowa's going to have to come up with some critical stops in this game if it wants to get, get the depth but I do think Purdue has enough weapons that they they should be able to move the football.
0: Turning to special teams, kicking game looks pretty even, really, both in terms of the place kickers for each team and uh, in punting for each team. The stats are very, very similar, and and they're very solid. The more interesting matchup when it comes to special teams, in my mind, this week, is the kick and punt returners, both teams. Rondell Moore, is again, we talked about it, Superman, he does both jobs very well. But Iowa comes into this game, first in the nation as a team in kick returns, and uh, Amir Smith-Marset continues to excel at that, a second in the nation, averaging 33.7 yards per return.
4: Special teams have really become a strength of this Iowa football team, and, and whether it be you know, the, the consistency that they've had in the kicking game from Racinos, the improvement that they've had from Rastatter in terms of punting over the course of the season, uh, and certainly the return game is, uh, uh, is helping Iowa. It's giving uh, the Hawkeyes some short fields to work with. Uh, with they've been able to uh, combine that with some effective offense. It's been a pretty good weapon, and uh, you know I I think they're they're getting a benefit from having LeVar Woods in that coordinator's role. There's a little more attention being paid to those guys and and a little more expectations put on them in terms of performance. They're not just kind of a sidelight anymore. They've got their own little niche, and I think that that's uh, something moving into November, uh, I think that's something that Iowa can really use as as an edge.
0: Let's take a quick look at the Big Ten before we get your production. Last week, uh, Minnesota was able to beat Indiana in a high-scoring game, 38-31. Northwestern, again, it's tough apparently to play for the Badgers in Evanston. It's a huge win for Northwestern and certainly leaves them in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West, and we've already talked about Michigan State beating Purdue. This week, Nebraska finally got into the win column. They have to play at Columbus, and you have a real interesting game in Penn State at Michigan. And then, of course, I mentioned earlier, Notre Dame in a real rarity, travels to Northwestern the week before the Wildcats come to Iowa City to play the Hawkeyes.
4: It's an interesting non-conference matchup uh, at, a, at a time in the season when I think probably Pat Fitzgerald would have been more comfortable with it, you know, back in, in May or June rather than now when he finds his team right in the thick of a, a division title race. And, you know, that uh, it's a nothing-to-lose situation for the Wildcats against an unbeaten Notre Dame team. Uh, they're playing at home. They're under light, good exposure for the Program. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, you would think that uh, Notre Dame, which uh, you know has been fairly consistent this year, they haven't really been you know, blowing anybody out, but they've they've just kind of delivered uh, workmanlike performances. How they deal with Northwestern and how well the Cats uh, step out of out of league play, coming off a big win at Wisconsin and a big game at Iowa next week. So you know this uh, this is a team that uh, has a history of playing pretty well right now against. Big Ten competition. They 12 wins in the last 13 games, but uh, they've stumbled a bit outside the league, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm interested to see how the uh, Penn State-Michigan game plays out as well. Uh, some bad blood between those teams. Uh, Penn State was in the process of, of trying to add a, a touchdown to a 29-point lead uh, late in, in the fourth quarter of the game in Ann Arbor a year ago that uh, didn't sit too well with the Wolverines, and they, they've uh, seen multiple uh, tapes of, of uh, what transpired in the final couple minutes of that one here over the past week or so, and so there's been some talk of that there. It should be a decent matchup, and certainly if you know Michigan wants to continue to, to kind of forge ahead towards that matchup with Ohio State at the end of the month, uh, they've got to get through Penn State uh, uh, this week, and uh, it, it'll be an interesting interesting uh, challenge for them, and uh, it should be a fun week of football. It's, it's November, and, and there's a lot to be decided uh, in this conference. Wisconsin and Alex Hornibrook is still a little questionable with uh, uh, coming off of concussion protocol Uh, I missed the Northwestern game Uh, they play Rutgers tomorrow you or I could maybe quarterback uh, Wisconsin against Rutgers and have some success but uh, we'll see how that plays out too but it it should be uh, kind of a bounce back week for the Badgers too. Back
0: to Iowa at Purdue I don't think it's an overstatement to say this is absolutely critical this game for both of these teams and Jeff Brougham as a head coach has had really extraordinary success in games played in November at uh, both of his stops so what's your thinking about this and prediction final score?
4: Yeah and and they're 2-0 at home against rated opponents this season too uh, their first win of the year was over a ranked Boston College team so you know there's, there's no question that Purdue is going to come ready to play in, in Iowa with its backs against the wall as well uh, in terms of the division race. Uh, I think this is going to be a real high energy and a fairly high scoring game. I, I, I'm going to uh, we'll uh, we'll go with the leg of, of Miguel Racinos making a, a difference and uh, uh, we'll, we'll take the Hawkeyes 31 to, to 28.
1: Hasn't been easy. It won't be easy. Comes down to this for Iowa. Came into
0: this game controlling their own destiny in the Big Ten West when Northwestern beat Wisconsin. Potential playoff hopes still up on the line, and it all
2: comes down to this play. Stanley's going to be dropped by Sharif Miller, and then able to shovel it off to Tristan Wirfs. The
1: big fella will be stopped at the 28, and that will do it. What a football game today. I won't be pleased the way it turned out, but Penn State is able to
2: hang on to win by six.
0: Our thanks again to ESPN for the Iowa Penn State game highlights, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices.
3: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.